Welcome to the PE Huddle, sponsored by Gopher. I'm your host, Bob Pangrazy, and the PE Huddle discusses and offers advice about issues and concerns related to physical education and teaching. As a reminder, professional development certificates are available to you at the end of, the web of this webcast, or a few days after you listen to the recorded version, and you can personalize those certificates. Just to let you know, without Gopher, there would not be a PE Huddle. Gopher has a long history of offering products that support and enhance physical education, and I feel like I should give them credit. Um, they just released a new product line, MyPE Pack, which you can access on the internet at mypepack.com. That's mypepack, all one word, .com. These individual equipment packs and activities have been designed for teaching PE during challenging times. And the packs offer different types of programming, such as movement and games, sports, fitness, adapted, SEL, and limited space activities. In addition, many individual teaching activities are available free of charge for both online and at school instruction. All right, on with the business that counts. And that's our two guests. We have two outstanding guests. And by the way, uh, we have one uh, on camera and one off camera. We had some internet issues so Aaron Beatley will be on but uh, he you won't see him um, but Deb's here uh, online and in person so meet Deb Pangrazy the supervisor of elementary PE for the Mesa School District which is the largest district in Arizona. Deb supervises over 80 teachers manages and organizes curriculum evaluates teachers and is a past teacher of the year. Aaron Beatley is a professor at the University of Kentucky. He prepares teachers, conducts research, and publishes textbooks. Welcome, Deb and Aaron, to the huddle. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Let me thank both of you for your many contributions to the profession. And Deb, let me uh, warm you up by saying that I hope you had a good summer um, in spite of COVID and all the issues that go with it. Uh, can you kind of give us a real life view of your summer and, uh, and, and then kind of get into, you know, a little bit of what you've done throughout your professional history? Well, which would you like first? Oh, whatever you feel comfortable doing. Well, I'll tell you about my summer. It's very hot here in Arizona and we, I think today or tomorrow will record for most days over 110 already in the summer. And I think we've reached the record for the high lows in the morning. So I know it is summer. But if you're talking about summer break, no, we didn't have that this year. But I do have to commend our leadership, our superintendents and board members, because they did do a deep dive and tried to figure out what we would need to do to make all of our families and our staff feel strong, safe, and ready to start year so we had a lot of design teams 11 of them meeting all summer long to figure out everything you could possibly figure out we have plan a we have plan b we have plan c we have a safety net for everything so the time was well spent and we started school yesterday and we're doing well so i mean on tuesday and we're doing well so far are those your notifications that are coming through that keep no not okay. that i Somebody's got notifications coming in and it, it, it has a tendency to delete the volume of, of your voice. Well, that, that sounds good, Deb. Um, um, Aaron, how about you? 
Well, it's uh, it's been interesting. Um, as I've said in the past huddles, that we have four girls, so we made it through the spring, and then we uh, have done a lot of bonding, I guess, together in the house. We can get out and, and be active, um, but they're uh, two of them play volleyball. One runs cross country. One's a dancer, and one's into acting. So all of those, as most things, were canceled. Um, so and our trips were canceled and that so they're getting back into dance and volleyball slowly but surely um, but other than that had a chance to to watch and see and be amazed by the things as Deb kind of alluded to that schools are able to handle and 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 having plans a through Z with about 17 sub plans for each um, plan and I've just been amazed and not I don't want to say excited I guess but kind of interested to see how this all plays out in the next few months. Boy, you said a mouthful there, aren't we all? I, I mean, <laughs> boy, you, you are right on the money with that one. I think we're all wondering where we're going and where we're going to end up. Um, so, well, thank, thank you both. And I, I know you're both uh, great professionals and you've worked hard. Deb, you have a really long history of success over your career. And um, you know, there aren't many people who have been in PE um, and supervised as long as you have. And so you have a lot. No, that's a compliment. And I, I, Deb associates everything with age. I, 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 I associate it all with wisdom. So we just have two different points of view. And if you haven't figured out, yes, Deb is my wife. And so naturally, there'll be some interaction here that will, will probably be a little in-house. But... Uh, Deb, if you would, um, could you just talk a bit about your program? I mean, you've been associated with that program 40 years and, you, you know, you've kept it at a high quality and maintained. Could you tell us, could you give us kind of an overview of the program and what you think's really kept it successful? Sure, that'd be fun. Well, first, I started out as an elementary PE teacher and I have to tell the listening crowd out there that my professor for elementary PE for methods was actually Dr. Robert Pangrazy. So everything I've learned, I've learned from him. So I appreciate that. I hear Aaron laughing in the background, but it's true. I was in the first class ever at ASU. And I have to let you know that everybody in that first class has done very well in education, whether they went into PE or a classroom or administration, that was a very successful class. We had a lot of uh, people that were PE teachers that went on to be principals and directors and all kinds of, and lots of teachers of the year and lots of administrators of the year. So that was, you inspired us, Bob. So I'm just giving you a plug for that. Oh, so, thank you. Thank mm -hmm. And so I started teaching in Chandler for four years and then I moved up to the big time in Mesa Public Schools. And I have taught elementary PE for 25 years actually teaching the four-part lesson in the dynamic PE curriculum and taught in Arizona in the heat. We've made changes because of that and modified. And then I've been doing this administrative role for 21 years. And it's a lot different than teaching, <laughs> I'll tell you what. So as a group, um, our elementary PE teaching staff is one team. We do everything together as one team. We make all of our decisions that way. Um, we provide the exact same high-quality elementary PE program to all of our 32,000 elementary students in Mesa Public Schools in the 55 elementary schools. And I think the 
best way I can tell you how strong our program is, <clears throat> excuse me, is the last couple of years we have been the district with the largest percentage of our elementary schools making the Alliance for a Healthier Generations list of America's healthiest schools. And this year we get to add to that the family um, engagement uh, distinction. So that was pretty special for us. So, and they judge all parts of what's going on in a school. So it shows you that you have a good wellness program, which is directed as you have always professed by our elementary PE teachers. So I'm very proud of them for all they do. We do a lot of other special things too. And in our department, we have professional development once or twice monthly and only for PE. It's not just you go to somebody else's like classroom professional development is specifically PE. We take the curriculum guide across the board. We all take from the same curriculum guide. So it's a guaranteed viable curriculum. So if a student goes from Holmes to Jefferson, they won't miss a beat. They know all the management uh, procedures in the class. They know the things that we're going to do in PE. They all have the same equipment. We keep that centrally for everybody. And so kids and parents are really excited about our PE program. They talk about it all the time. And that's the one thing they were asking, how are we gonna do this virtually? So that was a little bit of a challenge, but we're gonna get there. So we do all that. And then we also have um, instructional aids provided for all of our teachers. We have indoor and outdoor spaces. They all have an office. Um, so they're treated with respect in our elementary schools. And I'm proud of them because they earn it. They work hard. They teach eight periods a day and they do a great job in every single one. And they pull the whole school together and bring the school up and bring the attitude and enthusiasm up in the entire school. So I'm proud of them. Thanks, Deb. Uh, Aaron, let's let you weigh in on it. You've, you've seen the program and worked with it. so. Um, you might have some things you want to add into what you, from your point of view, Aaron, because you get to see uh, lots of programs and, and you've worked in lots of areas and spoken to lots of teachers across the country. From your perspective, what is it that you think uh, is good about the program or weak about the program, either one? Well, I, I yeah. You know, I've said since I was out there, I was out there in two, starting in 2000, that it's the best kept secret in, in physical education. And and those of you that are, when you're watching this, you're, you're looking at the, in physical education, probably the two most influential people on me, and they were more than um, willing to help me and to guide a clueless doctoral student and show me how to build programs and, and what needed to be done. So ever grateful to the Pangrazies. Um, what Deb said, I, you know, it, it's it's really hard, I think, for for most, including me. When I first started teaching, I came went flew out to Arizona to see it because I couldn't really visualize what it was. But um, it is every bit of what Deb just said, but more. Um, I, I think it's just fascinating that, and and just beyond belief that it's been going on. I think is it was it what year? Seventy two? Is that right, Bob? Seventy three. Yeah. Seventy three. Okay. Um, and and has continued to grow and teachers have what they need. Um, again, I, I kind of always look at it as you guys gave them, you removed every barrier from being a quality program. And I think that's what's happened. And it continues to just keep building and building and building, as Deb said, moving on to Alliance for Healthier Generation and doing things with Gopher. And I, I just have nothing but positive to say about it. Thanks, Aaron. And I need to say something here too, Bob. I didn't actually start the um, 
centralization of our department. That was actually Gene Peterson. He was the first director. And he actually taught this program the very first year in 1973 at Roosevelt Elementary School. So I wanted to let you know that he and Bob came down here from Washington and started it and put this all together. He was the director for 26 years. So I just took over a quality program and we just rolling forward. Yeah, nearly 50 years ago, Gene and I were both 29 years old and you know, just thought we knew everything and popped into a school and the superintendent gave us a shot and said, well, give it a try. So we gave it a try and that, it worked out okay. Um, uh, Aaron uh, or Deb, I mean, I know you've been planning and, and tell me, tell, because these people need to hear the frustration of planning and everything you've gone through um, with changing your plans. Let's, let's, let's talk COVID, let's talk fall right now. What, Tell us a little bit about what's going on here. Well, there is always fr frustration when there's uncertainty and there's been a lot of that. I think what we've tried to do and it's taken a lot of time. So that's also frustrating too because you think you have no time because you're spending it all planning. But I think because we planned and we planned so thoroughly, that's why our school year has started off as well as it has. And I think our families are happy with even though we're virtual, we're doing virtual as best we possibly can. We've included everything in virtual, music, art, PE, band, orchestra, um, all the things that they were concerned about. Um, my teachers, the elementary PE teachers, are all going from the first nine weeks of curriculum that the curriculum team and I put together. We used, as um, examples, the videos that we made for ASAP that are in the Gopher Free Online Lesson Plan, ASAP. So all those videos we use as examples for the teachers. This is how we want this lesson to go when you do it live, like we're doing right now, they're gonna teach just like this. We're gonna do one live lesson and one recorded lesson um, every week. And then we have some other things that we do too with discussion board and we're doing some whole school things that are fun and checking in with kids and checking in with parents. So I think all the planning and time that we put into it was well worth it. At the time, yes, it was very frustrating and not knowing how long we'll be virtual, that's a little bit frustrating too, but we have to wait until it's safe to return to our buildings. And so our school district has a very in-depth uh, safety plan and all every employee has had to study and test out on the safety plan so that we all know what to do as far as if you're not feeling well, you don't come to school and you know all the steps that I'm sure all the districts are doing, but it's in writing, it's in video, it's in English and Spanish. So they've gone over and above. We're providing for all of our low income families. Just this morning on channel 12, there was a special spot about how we're providing backpacks with laptops, with those little hotspot boxes for all of our families who can't afford them and the city and Mesa schools partnered together and the city spent $7 million on laptops so that all of our K, pre-K through sixth graders would also have laptops. Our secondary students already had them, but we didn't. Okay, another frustration is learning all the different computer programs because sometimes PE people are not the most tech, but we're getting there. We've been doing trainings every single day. Uh, the teachers are all working together over WebEx teams and helping solve issues that they're having. We're resourcing out to YouTube. We resource from our ed tech department. We're pulling in everything we possibly can to be successful on learning Canvas, which is a bit of a challenge. Yeah, uh, let me just add in there what, what you don't see um, 
with Deb, what she's sharing now, I have seen, and that is her, you know, finishing a day of planning or days of planning, and then all of a sudden to have those plans torn up and and one superintendent tell her one thing and another one something else. I mean, because things change and we don't know what's coming. So it, it's, it's not to blame somebody, but it, it is extremely frustrating as we look at this. And I think there were a whole lot of people that would have told you back in April and May that we'd be going back to school and it'd be, we'd be in good shape, no problem at all. Um, you know, Arizona doesn't have any cases, everything's good. And then all of a sudden we're the hotspot of the nation. So, um, you know, what you don't see is all the frustration behind what Dip's saying. And, and uh, she looks good and sits there with a smile now, but um, believe me, uh, there wasn't always a smile. Aaron, um, how about you in your area and what's going on back there? Um, it's, uh, the, I'm guessing the same as everywhere. It's, it's a little bit, it's still kind of up in the air. And I, I have to be honest with you, Deb, I'm just kind of exhausted listening to all the things you're doing and applaud you because I know edu this is what's going on all summer long for everywhere that, oh, this idea works. Well, no, we're not doing that anymore. And, and so there's just constant change and it's the same here. It's how are we going to provide professional development for teachers? And this year, it's not going to be anything related to content. It's all going to be on new pedagogies, new how to use Canvas, how to use Google, how to use Google Meets, how to use all the, you know, how do you use um, Seesaw or how to use uh, Dropbox or any of these things that we're trying to communicate with. And um, it's the same here that it, PE teachers are wanting PE specific, but also, it's, it, you know, it's kind of, you know, not having that foundation or how to use the, the, the technology or to make sure everybody's on the same page. And it's tough for a district to make sure everybody's on the same page because you have some people that could teach the course and some people that have never used it. So um, so I think it's the same. And I think teachers are wanting PE, but then they're needing the educate the technology stuff. And, and it's, so we're not even to the beginning of the school year and we're still, you know, it's, it's conflicting to know what's gonna happen. And then we're preparing for this and then it's probably going to be some kind of hybrid before we get back to full face to face in some places. So then how do we educate on that as well? So I, I think it's similar to what Deb's saying. It's just constantly changing and, and um, trying to figure out and stay one foot ahead of the, the wave here. Hey, Deb, can I ask you a question? You mentioned um, the, 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 what your teachers do for school wide um, activities. Can you touch on what those are that they do beyond physical education? Well, they are wellness managers, and so we run lots of different programs. Um, there's a health and wellness plan in the school district that they run for the school. They are on the wellness committee. Everything that you see in the application for the Alliance, they do every single thing in their schools. We all earned a bronze. We have one silver, two silvers. We earned bronze just because we have PE twice a week, not three times a week. Otherwise, we would have been silver. And if we had PE five times a week, we would have been gold. So if you look at every category in that, our PE teachers are in charge of running at their schools and helping the classroom teachers. We work with food and nutrition and the cafeteria staff, the front office, the health office, the counselors. We now have counselors at every school. So we coordinate all those activities. They do nighttime uh, PE performances for the, uh, for the families of their 
communities. We do daytime things like track and field. We have all kinds of special events. We do, uh, oh, we do walk on with Blue Cross Blue Shield, which lasts for a month and all of our fourth and fifth graders do. It's a wellness program focusing on five fruits and veggies, less than two hours screen time, one hour of physical activity at least, and zero sugar drinks. They keep a calendar for a month. Uh, that's taken home, so we involve the family in that as well. Uh, we've, we've been very successful. 9,000 kids a year participate in that. So we do all kinds of things that increase the attention on wellness. Impressive. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Hey, there's one thing too, Bob, I wanted to add to what Aaron was saying. We mentioned yeah. trainings, and the trainings usually in Mesa Public Schools, we gather in a big multi-purpose seven ed tech trainers with us. We have a big screen and we're learning like that. But now all of us are at home learning on our own from tutorials because we can't gather. So the trainings are much more difficult. We have to go back and go back through the PowerPoints and try to figure them out. So even just the trainings are more, more of a challenge. Um, let's, let's get down to specifics because you've been doing a lot of planning for the first what nine weeks of school i would guess and the the first quarter and and you've had to make some decisions about what's going into those um, lessons etc um and i know you use a lot of dpe asap and i might just tease here that next week aaron's gonna take us through a lot of that and and talk about planning and accountability and and videos and creating individual lesson plans. But Deb, could you talk a little bit about all the thought and how you've gone about doing all the planning? Well, it started when school closed in March, mid-March. It was right after spring break. And again, after that Friday after spring break. And it's funny, the week before we had spring break, you and your video team from uh, Go For Sport came out to make a series of videos to put into uh, ASAP. So the last thing I remember about being in a school building is being there with you and Michael and Joe and all the incredible teachers that we filmed. So that was kind of a nice memory. Anyway, when we were putting together our curriculum, we knew that kids didn't have much equipment at home. And we knew that we wanted visuals for our teachers and pr probably for the parents as well. So when I pulled the curriculum team together, we had been making teacher made videos all summer for Mesa Public Schools Facebook to keep kids active. So we did that this summer as well. Um, they all participated and contributed to that. So when we were trying to come up with the nine weeks of curriculum, we thought, okay, some of the things we did in those videos, teacher made, also with ASAP and our regular, we don't take too much equipment. But interestingly, most of it would be in one of two my PE packs that you offer at Gopher Sport that I'll talk about in just a minute too. So we decided to stay with that. We decided to keep the lessons as similar from K2, 3, 4, 5, 6 as possible so that if there are multiple children at home, they could do the lessons together and have fun. And we also, just to get them used to things, every lesson includes working in a space that's six feet in each direction, learning how to put their equipment off to the side without getting in the way of other people, um, learning how to listen to our freeze signals and all of that. Um, so we're teaching basic orientation, even though they're in a screen away from us so that when we do come back to the building, we know all the cues and know what to do and not get in anybody else's uh, personal space. So that I hope will carry over. Um, 
like I said, we're demonstrating everything. It's gonna to be tough for these teachers because teaching live to video, you're doing more actually than you would be, more, much more modeling than normal. They model, our teachers model a ton, don't get me wrong. They model everything, but not over and over and over again. So what we've had to work on now, putting these videos together is remember folks, you model this and then you compliment people and you tell them what they're doing right and you move around. We'll do that at home too, otherwise you aren't gonna make it your teaching day now. So we've worked on wait time, we've worked on questioning, we've worked, worked on embedding uh, quiz questions in the video so that they can answer it after so that we know who's there for attendance and for accountability as well. So we've been working hard on making sure these lessons are as close to normal as possible and we've relied heavily on ASAP. So we were fortunate that Gopher has that resource available for free online because we use it all the time. Bob, can I jump in for a second? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, want. I just want to jump in and, and A, just to know, I mean, I know there's some of the listeners are all, everything Deb's talking about is obviously outcome driven. And um, so when you look at ASAP and the videos she's talked about, their assessments, activities, et cetera, that are all there and it's, and it's free and valuable. But one of the things I wanted to really emphasize that Deb said is, is that teachers making their own videos. Um, and letting your students see you. It's something that I've talked about on the PE um, Express and something I've talked about in um, other conversations I've had. And, and I think that's extremely important for us right now is to make sure our kids are seeing our faces and seeing us move and seeing us do those things that, that they're missing. And, and I, I think we need to understand that and, and not forget that and not just send a link to somebody else's video. There's, you can have that, but you have to have something that links it to what you're doing in your school and all the things Deb heard, I hope you rewind and listen to that again, because she just said a mouthful in about three minutes that I think could really help a lot of teachers. Well, and Aaron, you missed, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but he mentioned connecting to kids. That was one of the battles, I have to tell you, with scheduling and what the principals wanted to do in the schools and what we thought was best for physical education and music and art. Um, we met with superintendency because if we're going to connect with kids, we can't see more than one class of kids on our screen at a time and all their little names. So we want them to use their names. We want them to see us. We want to see them because when we get back, we're going to need to know who they are. So the battle was over. Well, can't you teach one grade level at a time if you're just doing a video? No, we're teaching one class at a time, just like normal. So that was a battle. And, uh, we're teaching one class at a time so that we can know them. So yeah, it's important. Yeah, and what the district is doing, I, I, I would add on um, that there's a lot, a lot of the instruction that went on last year, last spring was asynchronous. It, you know, you, you make a video and then your kids can watch it whenever yeah. they want. To and now there's, uh, you know, uh, in, in Mesa, the instruction is synchronous. In other words, you're going to have your class in front of you. You're going to be teaching that class. And they're doing that through all grades. So, it, it you know, that, that in itself brings you to the kids. And I think both of you made a huge point, And that is probably more important than learning to toss and catch a beanbag or jump a rope or throw a football. Uh, is getting some socialization, some laughter, some some feeling, bringing this so there's feeling between us. We start to connect as human beings because that's the major thing that people are worried about with uh, virtual education. So, you know, uh, 
I, I yeah. think uh, I think one of the things Deb is painting here is that they're really working hard uh, at being in front of and teaching just like those kids were standing in front of them. Go ahead, Aaron. No, I was just going to say because we have two 14-year-olds and two 12-year-olds, and summer wasn't bad, but it seems like now that they're starting to sniff that school is supposed to be starting, it's really starting to impact just that wanting to have socialization and we're not, we don't allow social media, that kind of thing. And they know their friends are on social media and that, but so it's really, um, really starting to see that this, this whole need as human beings, this whole online, is just doesn't work for a lot of us. Some of us it works for, but some of us it doesn't. And that whole idea of needing to connect and just see a face, hear a joke, smile, ah, oh, there's my PE teacher, that kind of thing. I, I think it does so much for the psyche of kids. Have you, um, I got a question for you as a dad. Uh, have you had thoughts in, in about allowing social media since there's a lack of socialization going on? I'm just curious. Yeah, have. And, and, and it's, it's one of those that to see, you know, especially with our 12 year olds, it's like, well, is, is, you know, their friends have it. So is that okay? Is it, should we, and, and again, I don't use Instagram, so I don't know much about it. I, I need to dig in and see so we can control who they see and who they don't see. They're really responsible kids. And so I, I think they would handle it well. It's just a matter of it would be we need to police it as well and, and, and do a little bit more of that. So, yes, it has been considered, actually, which is goes against everything I stand for. But I also realize that there's a need for socialization that's not happening right now. Sometimes you have to be real, I guess. Um, it, it's a tough one. Yeah, I, I got you. I was just curious. Um, let's, you know, one of the things that amazes me is the different responses to school opening and everything. Some districts are extremely sensitive to not forcing teachers to come back, et cetera. Others, um, you know, there's a district that I know of where they had their teachers come back for the in-services and meet in person. And guess what? Now they have the spread of COVID among teachers. I mean, uh, I, I'm not going to make any value judgments on what I think of, of that for right now because it, they'd be fairly strong. But, um, uh, and there's a value judgment for you. But <laughs> let, let's be... Uh, Let's let's talk about, you know darn well, there are going to be teachers who are going to have to go back and teach in person. And I know you, you know, Deb, you talked about making a safe environment, et cetera, when you come back, et cetera. So I'd like to hear from both of you, because um, I have a question here, you know, what safety precautions do you suggest for in-person PE um, with regards to use of equipment? Um, you know, that's certainly a safety precaution I'm concerned about. I will tell you, I have one higher precaution in that, and that is kids and teachers. And how do I protect my teachers? That's, that's my highest priority um, because they're the highest risk individuals in the schools. But um, be that as it may, I'll let you both weigh in on that, if you would, please. Do you wanna go first, Aaron, since I've been going first every other time? No, I, I, just, I, I just think there's just so, the complexities, and I, and I completely agree with you, Bob. I mean, the, the human life is obviously more important than a than a, a, a wand or a, 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 a mat or whatever. But it's just interesting that you have this area of this, this where there's low risk and you're doing virtual education, but it's 
you know, it's a lose lose for everyone because you do the virtual and you have the psyche of kids and you have the educational experiences. But then if you bring them all back, the complexities of I was just sitting down a few weeks ago and, and talking to a couple PE teachers. And I mean, the things that they could rattle off that were the issues with how just getting everybody in the school socially distant in an elementary school. And I mean, they, they talked for 20 minutes on all the issues they could think of. So when you bring them all back, there's that complexity. There's the complexity. If you, if you do hybrid, how do you do that? And, and how do you get, make sure parents know they're an A day or a B day and remembering and it, the, the complexity of it is just mind boggling to me. And that's why I, as I started early on, I know principals and administrators have been working all summer long trying to figure this out. And it, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Deb, um, you're, you're, you've looked at a lot of the specifics and a lot of options. Talk a bit. Yeah, we, yeah, we need to hear from you. Okay, well, first, I have to give a virtual high five to Mesa Public Schools again in this situation because our leadership has decided that safety is above all. So we are one of few districts that has not stated a return to school date april i mean august 17th is supposed to be one for the state that'll probably change other districts have saying said we're, we're starting then we're starting at labor day we're starting at the end of quarter but mesa is going to wait until all of the health markers are in the right place and we are sure we can be as safe as possible in this but one of the things they've done really well on neighboring school districts and this is what bob was talking about and i just can't even believe this is going on neighboring school districts those teachers are supposed to be teaching virtually. The kids are supposed to be in a virtual environment that's safe. And they pulled their teachers and required their teachers to come into their classrooms to teach. They required it. In Mesa, if you don't want to teach at home for some reason, you're permitted to go to the building and do all the safety precautions and all that. But only so many can because they don't want it to be unsafe. So the fact that they pull teachers together, that's why the COVID-19 has spread at those places already and they haven't seen kids yet. And the saddest part was one of these nearby school districts, the PE teacher had to travel to four schools to do meetings at four schools. And she, he, she, I don't know which one it was, um, is one of the ones that tested positive. And that's the only PE teacher for those schools. So now you have no PE teacher. So that to me is, is just really sad. So we aren't doing that. Um, we are giving teachers choices about how they come. Go how ahead. about equipment? Yeah, I mean, head into equipment and how you, because the person wanted to know a little bit about. Equipment? That. Okay, well, we are using as little, once we come back in person, we're using as little equipment as possible because you are not allowed to share equipment. And I see the Y and the Boys and Girls Club playing basketball and soccer, sharing a ball exerting, you know, moderate to vigorous, which you cannot do when you're in a group when we go back to school. It's got to be low intensity. They have to have their own space. We're making sure we have vinyl yoga mats that mark spots on the floor that they stay on, and then we clean those between every lesson. We're getting vinyl bean bags. We're getting, you know, you can clean hula hoops, things that you can clean, we're going to use, but they have to be individual. They cannot share them with anybody else. They cannot partner up with anybody else. They cannot form small groups with anybody. They can't play teams. They can't contact, okay? So if you look at this in the teeny little print, these are the do's and don'ts of physical elementary physical education. And it's all the stuff you have to do before the kids come to the multipurpose room. That's the first section. Then what you have to do or don't do during the lesson. And then what you have to do when you leave. 
And you mentioned bodies and staying healthy. Well, our, one of my concerns is the air conditioning system. In Mesa, Arizona, today it's probably gonna be 110 and it's a little bit humid. Well, we cannot go outside or we'll have heat exhaustion. So we have to be indoors. Well, to conserve energy, our buildings don't have windows. They have limited doors. I'm very concerned about the circulation of the air and the air conditioning system. And if the filters are gonna be, you know, strong enough, whatever it is, to keep all the aerosols from being in the room and we can't use the drinking fountains. Those can only be used as water bottle fillers. We have to make sure all the doorknobs and everything are clean between every class. Every single school has hand sanitizer stations all over. Kids coming into the multi-purpose room, sanitize, leaving, sanitize. Now they're allowing us to let kids help wipe off the disinfectant that is supposed to be alpha. It's supposed to be one that's kid safe, but I'm sort of, well, my teachers are going to wear gloves during that phase so that their hands don't get so, um, you know, they're in so much of it. My hands are raw right now from disinfecting everything here. But so they're going to wear gloves. The district bought two washable masks, face shields, gloves, hand sanitizing stations for everywhere, signs all over the place about how to wash your hands, how to sanitize your hands what you can touch, what you can't touch. They can't touch the tumbling mats that are around the room. They can't touch the climbing ropes because we can't sanitize them. We can't use our brand new climbing walls because you'd have to be climbing it after every child went across it or up it. So there are just so many things we can't use. We also have a list of what we can use and it's a short list. It's all things that are cleanable, that are plastic or vinyl, um, nothing cloth, no fleece balls, no cloth bean bags. Um, I'm not even gonna use the foam um, balls, the Versa balls, because I'm worried the disinfectant will wreck them, and those are like $25 a piece. So we're on limited equipment and trying to find as much space as possible in the multi-purpose room and trying to split that sometimes when we have two teachers. So when we come back modified, yes, it'll be half a class, but you will eventually in the week see the whole class, and so will the classroom teacher, so it's safer for the kids. But I'm not sure that's safe for the teachers. You still come in contact with everybody. And you don't know what they've done in their time away from school. So that kind of went off of a tangent of equipment, but that's just another thing I think about. Well, I wanted to that, that was the question. Sure, go ahead, Aaron. No, I just want to jump in. If you're listening to this and, and you can mark that somehow, again, what she just said, because I, I would guess, I don't know this. This is, again, somewhat out of the districts. I work with teachers all the time, but I don't know many people have gotten that far, Deb, uh, as far as thinking about how what they're going to do when they do come back. I've talked to some teachers that have that are already starting to plan, and so I sat down with them on ASAP, and we zoomed through, and we shared screens and went through all the activities and things that could be done and modified. And can you can you change crows and cranes so it's socially distant? Yes, and change these things around, and you don't chase each other, that kind of stuff. But the the detail of of equipment and the types of equipment. I mean, you know, beanbag material. I mean, that's huge. Hula hoops, and and to realize, as you said, with the PE packs. What can we get through? I just talked to a teacher in, in Saudi Arabia, and they're using they they figured out what they could do with yoga mat, a tennis ball, and scarves. I believe is what they use, well, and it's the same idea, Deb. They go ahead. Using scarves, Aaron, because you can't just spray disinfectant on those very well either. They wouldn't. You can't yeah, wipe them. Right. Right. So so it's just using what material. So okay, deciding what to what you said. Okay, I've got these a vinyl bean bag I can clean, a hula hoop and whatever, another piece of equipment. Now, how many lessons can I get out of this and those types of things, which is what the PE packs 
do. I'm not doing a very good job explaining that, but I think it, I think it's that what you you had in mind, correct, Bob, with the PE packs? Yeah, you know, that's that's exactly it. I mean, I just want to say with the PE packs, even if you don't buy the PE packs, I've written up all the activities that you can use individually, and they're all pieces of equipment that can be easily cleaned and and sanitized. So the, the yes, that that was the main reason to do it is to make it much easier for teachers. And then, assuming we had virtual, the kids could take their equipment home, be responsible for keeping it clean themselves, etc. So yes, you're exactly right. And I, I think Deb said a mouthful uh, on on that paragraph uh, on her previous uh, discussion, and so did you, Erin. But one of the things Deb said is about low intensity activity. And I don't know if you picked up on that, but you should. I, I had a teacher ask me, um, well, we have a policy where the principal says they have to wear masks all the time in PE unless they get uh, um, breathing hard and they can't get enough oxygen and then they can pull it off. Well, for God's sakes, to take it off when you're breathing hard is to shoot aerosols across the gym. I mean, <laughs> You know, it doesn't make any sense, sorry. Um, and so I said, well, if someone has asthma and has trouble breathing, what do we say? Calm it down, stop yourself, make your own judgment, take care of yourself. Well, you know what? If you're gonna start breathing too hard with your mask on, then slow down, but leave the friggin' mask on. You can't be taking the mask off whatever suits you, come on. You're making me crack up because I hear that so much. People will call me. I'm like, are you kidding? And I use another word in between there. Sometimes it's like, yeah, a second. And then another <laughs> thing, Bob, that we've started thinking about when we return to school, it may be, I was going to have, you know, our teachers go through and around and connect with kids all the time. Well, they've got to stop doing that. And at first we thought, well, they could stay around the perimeter, but maybe not. Maybe they're going to have to be up on the stage so kids don't want to run up and hold, you know, hold their hand, you know, grab them and say something, you know, whatever. I don't know if that might be a safer spot for them. Oh, I think, I, Deb and I have talked about this a lot. I absolutely think that's a great idea, Deb. And, and I also think if you don't have a stage, then you make a big semicircle and kids can't come into it. You have to take care of yourself first or you won't be there teaching and you are the most vulnerable human being in the gym. And, you know, let's let's use our good sense. Kids don't need to be running up to you and showing you something right there in a perfect world. Yes. But right now, no. And, and so I like your idea of the stage because it's elevated, Deb, and it, it, it's an automatic six foot distance because the stage is about five feet high. And, and I think the thing to remember is that teachers are, a classroom teacher can, in theory, isolate themselves to 30 kids a day, whereas PE, you're going to see a lot more than 30 a day. And yeah. so you're going to have a lot more exposure. Erin, that is something I have discussed with superintendency over, it's not just PE, PE, music, band, orchestra, art. Yeah. It's, we all see, well, we all see around 550 kids a week twice, okay? And art sees more than one day a week. So we see all of them, their classroom teachers, every staff member, everybody in the cafeteria, all the custodians, everybody that passes through our space, we see them all. Okay. 
So we are, and in meetings, uh, we are in a fishbowl and everybody is around us all the time. So yes, the PE teacher is very susceptible to all this, but they think, and this is something I've been talking with them about, most of them think they're invincible because they're healthy and they exercise, but you're not. This is a hidden thing that you don't see coming at you. And, and they, they laugh at me when I say, I want you to wear the mask and the shield because I want your eyes protected too. And they're like, Oh, really? I said, yeah, introduce yourself to the kids with just a shield and then put on your mask and get busy. And are you sure we have to do that? Yes, we have to do that. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm glad you say that because I, if I were going in, I'd have them both. It, it's just a little extra insurance that, you know, you're, you're going to make yourself as safe as you can. Uh, the health professionals, the healthcare professionals have learned to do both. And we are an essential worker and we will be going in there as an essential worker and we need to take care of ourselves better than anybody else in, in our society. So uh, good job. You know, Deb, one of the questions that came here and I'm going to I'm going to answer it uh, first, but people are asking if they can have a copy of your guidelines and have this and have that. Um, you know, I, we might be able to, uh, we'll, we'll check and see if we, maybe, would you mind if we got a copy and shared it online? Actually, um, we'll have to figure out how to do that because it's done in our Google Docs that, remember, I can't even share with you. The do's and don'ts I can for sure share, even though those were on district time. Our curriculum guide is built for us and for our temperatures and all that. And I think anybody can go to ASAP and figure out curriculum because it's so, you've got everything oh, there. Yeah, for sure. Videos, you've got assessments, you've got instructional aids, you've got explanations, um, uh, you've got outcomes, you've got standards. I think everything's there. They just need to pick for them. But the do's and don'ts, I'd be happy to share because it did take some time to think of all this. And um, there are practices that everybody really, truly should be adhering to to stay yeah, the safe only, the, where i was going with all of that deb is i just want to say to the group um you know deb and i were talking about something i can't remember where it was and all of a sudden teachers start asking for this and that and this and that deb's just way too busy she can't be answering emails from all of you so you know that that's no that is not an option no um, that's that's very unfair to to even think that you know 200 emails come in and she's going to answer them all. So uh, I, this is one where I'll protect her from herself, just like we have to protect teachers from COVID. Uh, well, Deb has a helping personality. But um, um, well, um, Aaron, you you know you've you've followed a lot of online instruction now, and you've learned a lot about virtual instruction from the last spring semester. Um, you, you got any advice to teachers about how to improve their uh, teaching and how to do it better? Yeah, uh, just to piggyback a little bit, not to, I'm, I'm not a very good plugger, but we will be talking about how to use ASAP exactly as they used it in Mason. We'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks on a huddle. But um, yeah, getting better, I mean, as it, it, it's hard. I mean, the, the, you, you're not, no one is prepared for this unless they prepared themselves because universities aren't preparing because this is not something that has, was known. Um, I think what, what I've seen and, and, and have been encouraged by, and I've said this before, is, is teachers adopting different technologies and trying new things. Um, again, I know Google Meets and Canvas are the popular ones. 
Flipgrid and Seesaw, and there's one other, I'm drawing a blank right now, has been getting some um, chatter on social media is used. And the big use for that is what has been talked about is sharing videos and sharing pictures so students can share with themselves and teachers can have that as an assessment tool and a tool to get to know your kids. Um, I work with lots of teachers that do a bulletin board where kids take pictures of themselves doing their favorite activity and the teacher puts it on a bulletin board. Well, you don't have that bulletin board anymore, but Flipgrid and, and some of these other um, uh, platforms are, are a great tools for using that to get to know your kids, using the technology to do that. As Deb said, using video to get to know your, to talk to your kids, using other platforms and, and, and allowing yourself to um, go beyond this a little bit. And, and, and again, as I said, connect with kids, challenge kids, start focusing a little bit more on that affective piece. I think now is a great time to do that. And I, I think as we continue to move forward with changes and, and it will, once we get back to face-to-face, -to -face, all of these tools will still be there and we can use them to further strengthen our, our teaching and our program. Well said, well said. Um, yeah, well said. Um, well, it, it's time to bring this to a close and leave me with a few minutes to make my final comments. But uh, gee, uh, Deb and Aaron, I think that was great stuff. You both are so open and candid about real issues that concern us all. Um, and I, I appreciate you so much. And um, I, know how, I know you both extremely well. Um, and you both are couple of the hardest workers I've been around and I admire you both for what you've added to the profession. So um, let me let me close with a few words here if I could. I, I call it starting the school year, let's calm the turmoil. It's been a long and trying time since COVID-19 came on the scene. And I don't know about you, but it has only been about six months and it seems like years to me. Everything has been difficult along the way, and it doesn't appear it's going to get any easier. Uh, many hopes and dreams have been broken along the way as people surmised COVID would go away, be slowed down by the heat, just ask us about that one in Arizona, and maybe stopped by our society working together to stop it. Uh, maybe ask about that one in Arizona as well. Obviously, none of that has worked, and now we face the reality that going back to school is difficult, next to impossible, or maybe possible if we use great caution. Much of the nation in strongly impacted areas will start the school year using remote learning and instruction, and the country is on edge. Let's check our role as teachers and leaders and see how we can lead students and their families through this difficult time. I offer you a few thoughts here with great humility because I know nothing when it comes to COVID. Online instruction is here to stay, that I know. Universities have been doing it for years. Future teachers will probably graduate from universities well-trained in this mode of education. I expect that the future will be based on a combination of face-to-face -face schooling and virtual education. Teachers who want to specialize in online teaching will be hired to educate those who prefer or need online instruction. It is a time to accept the fact that even though we will get past COVID, online education is not going to disappear. It's also time to teach your students how to learn in a virtual setting. Their in-class behaviors and patterns of learning are often ineffective in an online setting and they need to learn new behaviors and you need to teach them. 
And more important, this is a chance for you to become the best teacher ever as you work to engage students and communicate in a clear and easy to understand manner. You will also have to learn a new set of teaching behaviors. Drop the pursuit of perfectionism. You've all heard the saying that perfectionism is the enemy of, of progress. Teaching online is going to be filled with all types of issues and problems that bring frustration and disappointment. Don't plan on and expect perfection. Instead, plan and expect that you will have to adapt and change your plans. The start of school is difficult, even in the best of times. Each year, most of you get excited for the school year to start. And each year, you forget how tired and frustrated you are during those first few weeks of school. All the meetings, all the unforeseen changes, and all the expectations you didn't see coming. It's that way every friggin' year, and you forget every year, but this year will be no different. It, and this one will probably be even more difficult. So don't make any decisions about anything that you may regret until you are settled into the school year and you have a pattern. The only thing we know for sure is that things will change. Who do you trust during the pandemic? You've heard many different thoughts in the last six months about masks, physical distancing, going back to the classroom, et cetera. And then things change and a new plan is put in place. This leads many people to, dis to distrust everybody. Here is the issue, science and research always change. You probably can trust the person who changes based on the most recent evidence that is available. The person who is hard to trust is the one who never changes, even when the evidence is clear and convincing. Learning's not an option. Last year, we made learning and serious teaching an option. This fall, quality teaching and high expectations for student learning will be expected. We must teach and we must teach well. Expect your students to learn and don't give up on them. Expect to be monitored on how many progress checks, phone calls, home you make, emails and video conferences you conduct. Online learning is difficult and requires new teaching behaviors. Expect it to be trying. Have empathy for your fellow teachers and school employees. It's interesting, I just, I had a question in there, um, you know, how do you deal with your fellow teachers who went out and partied all summer and now they're coming back to school? Well, it's a difficult time and people have different perceptions about how COVID will impact them. What is safe for one person may not be safe for another. Don't become antagonistic because your colleagues make decisions that you agree with. Now's the time when empathy and understanding are most needed. Be tolerant, be patient, and urge yourself to try to understand others. Move forward with confidence rather than run from fear. There is risk in many phases of life. Thousands die each year in car accidents yet we continue to drive and love our automobiles. It's easy to focus on catching COVID, yet there are many diseases such as the flu that can be life-threatening. Life is risky. Life does not come with a lifetime guarantee. 
However, those who strive to help others and make the world a better place are heroes. Teachers are heroes who help students overcome their fears on the road to adulthood. You are all essential workers and society now realizes the tremendous contributions you make to our country and world. Teach with confidence and help others overcome their fears. I close by saying, be gentle and kind to your students and yourself. Thanks for all you do for others. You are the bedrock of our society. I appreciate all of you. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Deb. I thought you guys were great. And thanks all of you who tuned in to listen. Couldn't do it without you. All the best.